Oh, hello. Welcome to the Japanese Hall. If this is your first time, I'm, uh, hey, welcome. Yes, good to be here, as, as already mentioned. And thanks for being flexible with the new mandates and wearing masks, not wearing masks. I'm glad that you feel comfortable to wear a mask if you feel comfortable wearing a mask or not to wear a mask. And uh, we'll figure this out. It will become more comfortable as we go. Uh, but thanks for having grace for one another and showing up in person. Um, also uh, wanted to uh, give a shout out to uh, Darby on the bass. Where's Darby? Oh, thank you. That was awesome. Sometimes I have surprises. I've been a part of this church community for seven years and I have surprises where I walk in and I see someone like Darby on the bass. I didn't know she played bass guitar. Great surprise. Or Scott Anderson playing the cajon. That, was, that has to be repeated, by the way. <laughs> Anyways, no uh, easy way to transition to this, but uh, Usain Bolt. Uh, <laughs> fastest person in the world, recorded person. Um, widely regarded as the greatest sprinter of all time, holds the records for the 100 meter, 200 meter, 400 uh, times 100 meter relay. Only sprinter to win the 100 meter and 200 meter, meter titles at three consecutive Olympics. The dude is a force. And uh, side note, I, I like to watch the Olympics. I'm not uh, an athlete, as some may say, but uh, I, I really enjoy it. I still think that in the Olympics there should be uh, some kind of what I would like to call a real person lane where there's like just some average person, like the ninth lane, just giving it their very best. Like me in a tracksuit, just running as fast as I can, just to gauge like how fast are these people actually going? Cause it's like milliseconds, but am I like, am I 50 meters behind, 20 meters behind? How, what's the disparity there? Anyways, that's a side note. So I'm pushing for that in the next Olympic games. Um, but uh, this guy, I, I'm inspired by him. When he's not racing, he's just a fun, playful, kind of silly, bit of a ham performer, loves to perform for the crowd. But when it's race time, he's fierce. He dials in. When he's on that starting line, intense, driven are some words that could be used to describe him. Determined, resolved zeroing in on the goal. You know uh, that saying that you want it so bad you can taste it? I feel like that is a mantra for Usain Bolt. Just a desire and a longing and a wanting. And uh, as we, this is a cheesy transition, but as we zero in on our focus toward the cross, this is the Lenten season, journeying toward the cross like we did with the children. Um, we often hear about people helping zero that focus in by giving up stuff or taking up stuff. Audrey last week talked about Kate Bowler who took up cursing for Lent. Interesting practice. Uh, often it's a time for lament and grieving the things that distract us from pursuing the things of God um, and to help us focus our longings on Jesus. And we pick up in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we're in Luke 13 today. Uh, a lot of this year in the lectionary has been taking us through the Gospel of Luke. 
Uh, and Jesus, at this point, we're halfway through the gospel. He is zeroed in on the goal of the cross. He is focused, determined. What he came to do, the purpose that he's here to fulfill is unfazed. So we're going to read in Luke 13, 31 to 35. If you have a Bible or an app, you can pull it up. Um, I'm going to read it out loud here again. Luke, already read from Luke. I did not, um, I didn't forget that. That was pretty cool that Luke was reading from Luke today. And uh, appreciate that, buddy. Um, only five verses, so we're going to read it uh, together again. Um, but first, a bit of disclosure. Uh, I did not want to preach this passage. Sometimes I get assignments that this is the passage. And I read it, and I'm like, eh, pass. <laughs> it's a little bit confusing, and I didn't get it. And um, a lot of mystery in it. And to be honest, I didn't feel like putting in the work to understand it this week. It just felt like a lot. Um, and uh, if you're new to us, or maybe you just don't understand what the lectionary is, we've been following this uh, path for reading the Bible. And we read it every Sunday. We follow year A, year B, year C. And in year C, which we are currently in, uh, we go through the Gospel of Luke. So every Sunday is a different text. And we've been following this in our sermons. We've been following the lectionary texts. Uh, so it's a bit of discipline to kind of hone in on those specific texts. And this is one of those where I didn't want to do it. And I have to say, after spending some time with this passage, I am so excited. I, I, and I'm, excite, I'm, I'm thankful for that excitement because uh, the Bible is tricky. It's hard to read. Um, I don't know if I add up all my hours this week. Maybe a good 15 hours went into just scratching the surface of these five verses. So I think with that, we should pray. And then we're going to dive in. And uh, I'm going to read it again, uh, although Luke already did that for us. We'll read it one more time. So let's pray. God, I need your help this morning to uh, help us read the Bible. It is a tricky book sometimes. And uh, there's so many nuances, uh, so much historical context that goes unnoticed and unresearched. And while I haven't figured it all out, and while I haven't solved every issue, I'm okay with that, and I think you are. And so I just ask for grace this morning for all of us to hear what you are saying to the church this morning. So we submit to you, God, ask Spirit again, come, teach us, show us what you will. Amen. Let's read this passage again from Luke 13, 31 to 35. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. 
I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. If you'd like to know where things are going, you want a bit of control, here's an outline. We're gonna look at ancient Jerusalem and the prophets. Gonna look at a Greek word for longing. Uh, we're gonna look at where Jesus laments here in this passage, the mother heart of God and invitation into longing. Uh, are you with me? Yes. Okay. And it's okay if you're not, you can just kind of pick up along the way. So first let's go back to ancient Jerusalem. Here is a picture. This is not a recent picture because there are no recent pictures of ancient Jerusalem. <laughs> this is an artist's depiction of the city of Jerusalem. You'll notice a few things. First, it's a walled city. It's a fortress. It's huge. Be hard to come against this magnificent fortress. On um, the next picture here, you'll see this large structure on the side. Uh, any guesses what that is? Temple, that's right. Uh, it's version two of the temple. The first one was destroyed, and then Herod the Great built this, not as a religious show, but more as a political agenda to get his Jewish constituents on his side. Jerusalem, after all, was populated by a lot of Jewish folk. And then Herod the Great had three sons who were also Herod, so we have to be careful when we're reading Herod because we don't know which one we're gonna get. So Herod the Great has passed. Herod, his son, the same one that killed all the baby boys when Jesus was born, that's the one who's in charge. Here we are, ancient Jerusalem, the temple taking up a large part of the landscape. Jerusalem also is the place where prophets went to die. And maybe metaphorically, where they went to pursue their dreams or their calling and just crashed and burned. Either they were literally killed or just horribly mistreated, ignored, insulted, not a friendly place, especially for those who were challenging the powers that be. Jeremiah tells us one story of a prophet, uh, Uriah. He dared to speak against these ruling powers and the king at the time, said, uh, it says, he struck him down with the sword and threw his dead body into the burial place of the common people, just for standing up to the authority of the king. So Jesus is coming into this, a long line of martyred uh, prophets. So you can imagine Jesus' message of an upside-down new kingdom that was a narrow way to enter but give wideness to life it was not perceived as very welcoming uh, and they did not like Jesus. Luke 13 uh, just to give you a bit of context in this chapter Luke's telling the narrative he starts off talking about repentance which is just another way for saying turning to God uh, he's doing healings he's telling parables in this last chapter he told that he just told the parable of the new kingdom and that it was like a mustard seed and it was like yeast barely noticeable but with the potential to grow into something large even to be a refuge for the birds and then he ends just before the passage we're in 
uh, by saying the last will be first and the first will be last. Now cue the Pharisees. So it, it's almost as if Luke tells it in real time. So verse 31, if we go to the next slide here, it says, at that time, some translations say suddenly or in that hour. Basically, Jesus just said, the last are going to be first and the first are going to be last. And they're like, wait a second, Pharisees come in. No, um, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. So this is their message to Jesus. And I want to zero in on this one word, wants. Herod wants to kill you. This is the Greek word, fellow, which you can't translate wants or longing. It means to will, to be resolved or determined, to desire, to wish, to love, to be fond of doing, to take delight in, have pleasure. So the scripture you're saying, Herod longs to destroy Jesus. His deep desire, his one wish, his love, the thing that would make him uh, filled with delight and have the most pleasure is ending Jesus. And Jesus responds, uh, first of all, I don't know about you, but uh, if I received a death threat from, say, John Horgan, the ruling authority in the region, okay, the, the, the premier wants to uh, kill me. Yeah, sure, I'll leave. No problem. Jesus has a different response. Uh, Jesus is maybe even a bit more focus-driven, eyes on the mission, responds this way, a bit angry even. He says, go tell that fox, a bit of an insult, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Verse 33, in any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jesus just showing that purpose and focus on his mission. And then Jesus launches into this lament. Verse 34 and 35. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's a lot going on here. Uh, and to be honest, I had to call a friend, a pastor, an experienced one. Some of you know him, Danny Unrau, who spent some time in Jerusalem. I'm like, what is going on here? What is, what is happening? And uh, he helped remind me that often in these Hebrew texts, and in the Hebrew world, world, there was a value of interpreting the layers of, of meaning. So there's not just one meaning, there might be layers of meaning. And there was an acceptance and almost a fondness and excitement to discover what are the multiple layers in this. But let's stick with lament for a second. Jesus lamenting is not unusual, a normal part of his life. He's prone to weeping and crying. 
deeply attuned to the world's suffering. And Jesus' lament starts out with this double Jerusalem, two times for emphasis, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. It would almost be like, and I don't know if I can say this, but saying Moscow, Moscow, you who kill the innocent and vulnerable. We need to be able to lament. It is essential for the life of our soul, especially in times like these. Yes, the conflict in Europe, the conflicts in Africa as we speak, the conflicts in the Middle East as we speak, COVID and coming out of that here in our area. There's lots to lament. And I think worth uh, spending a bit of time right here in lament. Because uh, if we are honest, everything is not awesome all the time. Or as uh, Steve Colbert says, it's well and good to offer thoughts and prayers, but sometimes you want shouts and swears. Yep. English, English theologian N.T. Wright, he talks about lament being uh, one, a form of praise. Uh, and he says that the book of Psalms is called the book of praise and in it includes a large chunk of laments. It's a form of praise. Lament is proof of the relationship. Almost like a tantruming child that knows they are deeply loved by their parent. That they can behave uh, however they want because they are cared for and loved. Lament, number three, is a prayer for God to act, like we sang this morning, how long? Number four, lament is a participation in the pain of others. I like what Rich Villados says, and we recently spent some time with him in his book, Deeply Formed Life. Uh, he says this about lament. I'm grateful for the Psalms that don't end with praise and breakthrough, but with lament and disorientation. They help me not to force a praise. When I need to feel the pain, on many nights I go to bed saying, help Lord, this world is a mess. Good night. Often it's overwhelming to know what to do as well in the time of crisis. And I just remember, uh, just remember a friend of mine in this neighborhood, Cheryl Bear, shout out. Uh, when, uh, when the discovery of the uh, indigenous children's graves across Canada were happening, people were asking her, what can we do? What can we do? Pastors, leaders, community members, what can we do? And she just said, just grieve with us. Just grieve with us. We need a theology of lament. As Father Emmanuel Katongo, an African bishop, said, Lament is not despair. It is not whining. It is not a cry into a void. Lament is a cry directed to God. It is the cry of those who see the truth of the world's deep wounds and the cost of seeking peace. It is the prayer of those who are deeply disturbed by the way things are. We are enjoined to learn to see and feel what the psalmist sees and feel and to join our prayers with theirs. The journey of reconciliation is grounded in the practice of lament. 
I've shared this at the beginning of 2020, a couple years back, uh, but I want to share this again. Five practices of lament, just to leave us with something uh, to take from here. If you're wondering, how do we enter lament? How do we practice this? Um, this is from a Vancouver couple, Alistair and Julia Stern. Alistair is a pastor at St. Peter's Fireside, and his wife is a counselor. Uh, they did a podcast called Ordinary Matters, and an episode specifically on grief and lament, and they talked about five different practices of lament. Um, Julia says, I should feel differently, excited, happy, grateful, but research psychologists have shown that we can't selectively numb emotions. If we numb one, we numb them all. It's important then for us to have practices of lament. So I'm just gonna read these. They come with five illustrations. Uh, the illustrations are by Laura Colossin, and they're beautiful, helpful illustrations. I'm not gonna add to them. I'm just gonna simply read them to show the illustration, pause. Let's reflect on these five practices of lament right now. Number one, let yourself cry. Number two, find a place to scream. Number three, tell someone about your loss or who you miss. Number four, write about your feelings and pain. Invite God to sit with you in the silence. Okay, back to Luke and Jesus' lament. Halfway through, you'll notice in this passage, often I have longed, and again that word, guess what word it is? Fellow. That same word for longing. And what a contrast, instead of a destructive tone, how Herod longed to kill Jesus, here Jesus is saying how I've longed to gather Jerusalem, those who are far off, disoriented, turned away from God. His deep desire, Jesus' deep desire, his one wish, his love, the thing he would take delight in and have the most pleasure in is gathering those who have wandered from him. He's threatened with his life, and this is his response. <laughs> I love it. It's so it's humorous, it's playful, but there, it's so there's so much to this image that he says. Also, it's it, it, I think it bears saying that um, that he used the hen in a culture that was used to symbolizing the eagle and the eagle's wings. Rome's symbol of power was the eagle. He chooses the mother hen. Oh, I love this. It shows the absolute beautiful mother's heart of God. The heart to gather and heal, call to himself and to make whole. I came across this article this week and I just could not help but think of this, the mother heart of God, 
um, a group of Ukrainian nannies caring for 19 surrogate babies in a basement bunker because the war had inhibited parents to come and get the kids to travel to Ukraine. Have you, who's read this article? Oh, it's just heartbreaking. So these kids have nowhere to go. This group of nannies is like, we are here. We are gonna mother these babies. The article talks about how the business of overseas surrogacy typically relies on carefully choreographed travel and legal services, but that's all disrupted because of the war. The article said beautifully, death and destruction are rampant in Ukraine, but in this basement, there's new life. Here's one nanny with a newborn. Um, this is Miss, I'm gonna get the name wrong, Yashenko, Yashenko. Of course we cannot abandon the baby, she says. She's 51 years old. Her husband and two sons, all soldiers in Ukraine's army, have urged her to get out of Kiev. They want me to leave, but I cannot abandon my colleagues. I cannot abandon my work. I cannot abandon these babies, she said. I will remain here until everything is back in its place. Oh, if that doesn't share the mother heart of God, I don't know what does. Um, this threat of life, but instead choosing to be with and for. The mother heart of God is for her children. The mother heart of God is nurturing, nurturing. The defender of the weak. The mother heart of God is welcoming. She comforts those in need. It's not something we talk a lot about in church, the mother heart of God, or mother God. Is it even okay to say it? Like, I think it is, because Jesus used that analogy, that picture. I think it's absolutely wonderful to see God in this way, to expand our view of God. Often our view of God is so limited. So we have this passage, Gathering your children together. His hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And then there's this part at the end that was really puzzling to me. You were not willing. And uh, not to totally nerd out or try to impress you, but read, trying to read the Greek, it just jumped out at me again. This not willing, this part at the end, is the same word again that we come across. Longing, fellow to will, to be resolved, or determined, to desire. So what does it mean here? Well, first, like Herod, there are those who are longing for destruction. Then, like Jesus, there are those who are longing to gather, nurture, and protect, or to receive that love and nurturing, the love of the mother hen herself. But there are also those who are not willing or not Longing, the, right, the word right before it, not, is the Greek word ouk, which basically cancels out the meaning. It's a negative meaning. The deep desire, the one wish, the thing to take delight in, to have the most pleasure in is nothing. Maybe another word for this is apathy, not willing. 
Apathy is just a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. If there's a, if there's a word that describes our culture's uh, approach to the things of God, I think this might be it. Not willing. Unfellow. And Christians are not exempt. In the city, there are so many things that distract us from the purposes and the plans of God. Not willing. And we have to remember, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. He's not talking to average citizens. He's saying, you have not been willing to step into this new reality, which if you confess, is actually better than the current reality you're living in. Um, now, I've said a lot this morning. We have about 10 or 15 minutes here. Uh, and uh, to honor a current mantra that I have, not to do all the heavy lifting, I want to put it out to you. What are you hearing in this? What are you hearing in this word longing, this picture of longing for destruction versus longing to gather versus longing for nothing, apathy? I would actually love to hear from people in the room and I'll come to you. Uh, and if you're un uncomfortable with uh, me without a mask, I'm gonna put a mask on. I'm gonna come to you and I wanna hear you uh, and what, what's going on for you. What, what's landing for you? What are you hearing now? So who will be someone bold to, uh, to say something? And if there's nothing, don't force it. That's okay. We can sing and we can worship. Ashley. Can you use the mic? Sure. So what I hear when you talk about longing, when you talk about longing versus just wanting, to me it, it involves the whole body. When you long for something, it's it's not just with your head, it's with your whole being. Um, and so just... Yeah. Yeah, that's really good to know. Especially in this context where we're kind of thinking and I'm talking it's hard to kind of translate that to our whole beings, heart, mind, body, soul. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyone else? What are you hearing? Brittany, who's new? Yeah, welcome. Um, well, I think often we give ourselves a pass at neutrality. So we say like, oh, if I'm just apathetic, then I'm neutral. But in reality, you know, there's three choices and we all have to make which choice of which camp we're going to be in. And neutrality doesn't exist. Like either way, we're making a choice. And so it's, are we making a choice towards longing for death? Most of us in this room, hopefully not. <laughs> Are we making a choice towards longing for, you know, what is best towards longing for loving our neighbor? Or are we making a choice towards shrugging our shoulders and sitting there, giving ourselves a free pass because we somehow think we're neutral? Well said. Thank you. Brittany. Anyone else?
seeing the indifference um, of the king not wanting to bring forth all the hands in Jerusalem, is Jesus Christ not also willing or longing that the good news comes out to the people who believe in him as well, understanding, of course, what is to come for himself? Say the question again. Jesus Christ and probably knowing what's coming up for himself and uh, understanding that we are hoping that we will understand what the good news is, which is, a, which is of course, to come. Uh, is he not longing a little bit for that time as well? Thanks. Yeah, let's keep it open. What's your name? What else? Um, this might be an abuse of the Greek, so apologies, but I'm seeing the connection between thelos and telos, and this sense of thelos for longing and telos for purpose or ends, and this connection between the thing that we long for and the, the true end and meaning of life. Um, that's, yeah, that's what my curiosity meant. And Carrie's got some Greek cred, so that's not just out of thin air. <laughs> Thelos and telos. Purpose and longing, yeah. Another sermon, perhaps. I think there's like five or six sermons in this. What else? Got a couple more minutes. Hey, is that you, Kirsten? Um, I was just thinking about like that idea of longing as a very visceral thing and how like you can't really fabricate that. And so I was like, well, how, how then do I fight apathy um, if I can't make myself long for something? And then I bounce back to the idea of numbing and how we can't selectively numb. And so perhaps the practice of grief and lament, um, whether it's in our own lives or um, globally is actually really important for staying soft enough to experience that longing. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. What is our choice in it? And if you go back to the passage at the end there, um, it almost sounds like uh, Jesus is saying like, and you, you were not willing. You could be willing, but you were not. And so that tells me that we do have a choice to choose the, the path of apathy, indifference, or to choose that where to place our longings. Anything else? I'm saying this in quite a literalistic way, where we've got three kind of uses of the arm the long arm. So I'm seeing Herod kind of longing his arm, reaching out with a, with a weaponized intent. And I'm seeing Jesus longing, reaching out, kind of longing his arms out over his people. And then you've got this third posture, which is an unwillingness to reach out. It's a shorting. And a, an unwillingness to hope, an unwillingness to risk, Thank you, Josh. Maybe one or two more. What are you hearing? 
Give him a second for the introverts to process. Mitch. So the mother hen's got to be a, kind of a diplomat. She's, you know, she's got to manage a lot of personalities, full-time job, overtime, etc. So it's a longing for peace, you know, amongst her body. That's it. Yeah, that's such a good perspective. Like the chaos outside of the hen, but then there's some chaos inside as well, yeah. We don't know anything about that though. Right? Anyone else? Maybe it's your first time today and you want to say something, but you're like, I shouldn't, I don't really belong here. Uh, I disagree. Last call? Okay. I do want to go to this last verse that is so mysterious. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you that you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As I said earlier, there's many layers to this, but I just couldn't help but hear this Lenten trajectory of desolation before blessing. Uh, this, this dying before resurrection, this death before life. To, uh, what was it today, as we said in the prayer? to disturb the comfortable. And our, our, maybe our choice in this is to repent and to return. And that lament turns inward then, to lament our own apathy. Um, we're so good at lamenting the things of the world, but maybe even lamenting where we have misplaced our longings. And I just want to bring us to the table in response to let that sink in a bit, to let all these things that have been shared, this passage that we've reflected on. I'm going to do that by reading this prayer by Ted Lauder, and then we'll come to the table, a short version of our table litany. So we're going to close with this prayer. We're going to come to the table. I just want to invite you to ask what the invitation is for you today. Or another way to ask it, what are you hearing? So let's pray and then come to the table. The prayer is called, let something essential happen to me. Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful. Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something awesome, something real. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me somewhere inside where it matters. A change that will burn and tremble and heal and explode me into tears or laughter or love that throbs or screams or keeps a terrible cleansing silence and dares the dangerous deeds. 
let something happen in me, which is my real self, God. Oh God, let something essential and joyful happen in me now, something like the blooming of hope and faith, like a grateful heart, like a surge of awareness of how precious each moment is, that now, not next time, now is the occasion to take off my shoes, to see every bush of fire, to leap and whirl with neighbor, to gulp the air as sweet wine until I've drunk enough, to dare to speak the tender word, thank you, I love you, you're beautiful. Let's live forever beginning now. And I'm a fool for Christ's sake.